So um, I, I'm not gonna lie, I don't remember how I discovered who you are, um, but the internet works in magical ways sometimes. So uh, thank you for coming on here and speaking with me because I think you have an interesting background. And uh, yeah, I think starting this thing off, we can kind of just get right into it and you can give a little bit about what you do um, what, where you're going, maybe a little bit about your philosophy, your motivations, and anything else you want to tell the world, and then we can get into it. Yeah, sounds great. Well, thanks for inviting me on. Um, yeah, so I'm Dr. Emily Culpa. I'm a clinical pharmacist and a psychedelic medic medicine consultant, and my background is in medication therapy management and managed care. Um, and then I've actually worked in healthcare for over, I think, 14 years as like in pharmacy as a pharmacy tech, pharmacy intern, and then as a pharmacist. And I think for me, it was just kind of realizing that conventional medicine maybe doesn't always work for people. Um, so I just kind of saw, you know, people who were put on medications have bad side effects or it wasn't working for them. Um, and I think we really don't focus a lot on lifestyle changes. So I think diet and exercise, um, you know, are really keys to health and wellness. So um, I kind of, yeah, just in my own personal research, um, is kind of looking more into integrative medicine and functional medicine, really getting into the root cause of things. And taking a more holistic approach to healthcare. So, um, yeah, and looking at patients' lifestyle as well. So, really taking into consideration like mind, body, soul, and giving them options. So, the use of a whole bunch of different modalities. So, kind of combining conventional medicine with alternative therapies, things like aromatherapy, um, acupuncture, meditation, massage, you know, dietary supplements. CBD cannabis and even psychedelic assisted therapy. Um, and so in, in my search for some of these alternative therapies, I came across psychedelics being used as an alternative treatment for mental health. And that just kind of started me on my path into this industry or into this world, I guess. Mm, that's awesome. So <clears throat> what spurred you down the road, essentially? Like what was the the great awakening for you to say hey there's a different way to do this yeah i think it was just spending so much time working with people um and hearing how a lot of patients aren't validated by their providers by the doctors mm -hmm. um, you know i think there are certain things where you know not everything maybe shows up on some of the tests that we you know routinely screen for things that we test in modern medicine, especially if there is some kind of spiritual or emotional kind of thing going on, you know, you're not going to find that on a test. Um, and then also myself as a patient. So I'm not only a pharmacist, but I'm also a patient and I've struggled with my own issues, uh, depression and anxiety as well. And I just didn't find that antidepressants really worked well for me. Um, and then I've seen in a lot of my patients that they just weren't working well for them uh, or that they've experienced, you know, really bad side effects or ended up switching from one to another 
or a medication will cause some kind of side effects. So then the prescriber will add on more medications. And so I just started to feel like we're prescribing medications to address symptoms and not really the underlying cause. So for me, I think something like depression, I just think it's a complex etiology. And I don't think it's something as simple as a chemical imbalance. I think there's a lot more going on and we need to address something like that holistically. Mm. Yeah, that's great. Do you see that as the new formula for mental health, kind of like a, um, not necessarily psychedelic integration, but just a holistic integration altogether, like taking care of your whole being? Like, is that kind of where we're moving? I think so. I think that's where we need to to move. And I'm hoping with psychedelics, you know, is this is kind of like a paradigm shift that this will help, you know, our healthcare system overall kind of shift and accepting you know, something like functional medicine or integrative medicine and kind of looking at people holistically because there's a lot of gaps in medicine. A lot of people, I think, feel kind of stuck um, and frustrated because, you know, they get referred to one specialty if they can't fix it to another specialty and then you're brought back to the original person, kind of like round and round you go and no one's really addressing the underlying thing. And, um, and I think it's, you know, not that the providers don't care. I think it's just, you know, we're kind of taught in this sort of like medical model and you just prescribe stuff and that's how you, how you go. And we just don't have enough time. Um, I just mm. think, you know, especially for pharmacists, you know, they're understaffed. So are the doctors. They, you know, you can only spend so much time with them and it's because they have certain quotas to meet because of these like big healthcare systems. So yeah, that's really unfortunate. But yeah. I think that's where we have to go. Yeah, because I see that uh, route as more toward actual healing. When the system that we have currently, I see it as more of just mitigating symptoms until somebody feels kind of okay, like, you know, just like getting rid of almost like numbing effects, in a way, when, when you take the holistic whole body spirit, approach, whatever you want to call it, it's more of a, like you truly heal as a being, like a deep rooted things that normally you wouldn't even pay attention to. Like if you, you know, meditate, take, uh, take psychedelics in the correct form, or just, just generally just take care of yourself. It's a way to truly approach uh, the human experience from a form of truly growing and changing yourself and healing that's what we need when the old system that we have is just uh it's just a for-profit um way to just hand out things to keep the population uh subdued in a way it's just it's just like um putting a band-aid on a cut that just keeps getting wider and wider and you just keep putting more band-aids and it just you never stop the bleeding and you never essentially heal and that's kind of what we need to adopt more of like a uh, a system of actually not treating symptoms but just like treating somebody's soul somebody's spirit just healing their spirit and that is uh that's huge but i think plant medicine can help us get to that. It's kind of like a switch, like a catalyst to show us the way of approaching what it means to be a human and how to take care of yourself. Um, 
it's do you think we can do this without plant medicine like do you think it's possible do we have enough time like you talked about is there is time of the essence in plant medicine like psilocybin dmt ayahuasca whatever it is are these things kind of what we really need in this moment i i think so um and i i think you're right we need true healing um and we need to give people the tools to do that i just don't feel like you know a lot of us don't learn in our home environments you know how to process emotions how to talk about feelings you know how do you even set up like a good daily routine for yourself what does nutrition really mean because you know even i think the food pyramid maybe not the one now but before you know, a lot of the companies behind some of those studies pushing certain foods, it's like, well, yeah. there's these companies who, you know, they care about the profits. So they're pushing dairy or they're pushing, you know, this type of thing. Um, so, yeah. And when I worry about psychedelics too, because it's like, you know, we have a lot of companies kind of coming into the space and I'm like, well, wait a second here. It's again, you know, they're just focused on the psychedelic assisted therapy, but I'm like, well, what about the other missing pieces? Because in medicine, if they think that the primary care provider or somebody else is going to be taking care of that, they're not. So yeah. we're really missing that holistic piece. Um, and I agree with you. I think psychedelics can really catalyze change. That's kind of how I see them. I see them as a tool to be used um, you know, along with all of these other tools and modalities. And I think it can catalyze change and allow us to kind of gives us a window of opportunity, right. To like, um, change our thoughts, evaluate our thoughts and change our behaviors. And so I think, you know, of course, preparation and integration, you know, is really key. Um, but I also feel like, having some kind of health coach or somebody else who can help you deal with some of the other areas that maybe a therapist, mm. you know, is it going to help you with, yeah. you know, is that your role? Do you see that as what you want to yeah, do? Yeah, I definitely see. Yeah. I think that's my role. That's kind of what I'm trying to do now in my consulting business is approaching things from a more holistic perspective and really focusing on lifestyle changes kind of in complement to what a therapist would do. And I think this is such a good role for pharmacists. And I think we're kind of missing from the puzzle. And so I'm one of the co-founders of the Psychedelic Pharmacists Association. So we started a nonprofit to really advocate for pharmacists to be involved because, you know, these are their drugs, their medicines, whatever you want to call it. Like, you know, that's what we do. We're medication experts. And I kind of felt Feel like we've been left out a little bit um and i really see us having a role in screening i think we could even facilitate in something like psilocybin where it's more like of an inward process you know we're not doing therapy during the experience but i think you know we're knowledgeable we have our doctorate degree we do a four-year professional degree like a medical doctor like an md or like a naturopathic doctor like an nd um, so we have some of those skills and, you know, I really feel like we're a systems type of thinker. And I think pharmacists are just kind of a holistic thinker because we have to know about every single like condition and all the medications and kind of like, how is this affecting the patient? 
we're, we don't break it down into certain body systems, like how medical doctors usually think about it. Mm. Um, and I also think we can play a role in, yeah, like health coaching and helping people maybe integrate the experience or promote these lifestyle changes in a way that maybe a therapist isn't focused on because you need somebody to do some of the emotional processing, right? But then you need somebody to help you do some of the other things. Um, and I also think we could be a big role in antidepressant tapering. So that's like such a huge thing. I think, um, you know, I think antidepressants numb people to their emotions. And I really think psychedelics kind of help you become more aware of them and more in touch with your emotions and being able to process them more. And now with antidepressants, I think some of the standard like guidelines are to taper them off over like four to six weeks. And what we're finding out is that is just way too fast. And a lot of people are having horrible withdrawal symptoms, you know, like horrible anxiety, depression, those brain zaps, those weird electrical sensations in your brain. Yeah, I've heard about that. That's crazy. Yeah, things like insomnia, a vertigo, dizziness. And, and I think it's because the pharmaceutical industry doesn't want to admit that you become physically dependent on these things. They, you know, like when we talk about alcohol or benzos, they call it withdrawal symptoms. But with antidepressants, they call it discontinuation <laughs> symptoms. I'm like, no, it's withdrawal. Your body is physically dependent on this. And if wow. you don't take it, you're going to have these things. Um, and so a lot of providers aren't aware, maybe because they haven't probably experienced them themselves. And I have, and I know how horrible it was. And I, you know, had to do a very short taper and it's horrible. And then people, you know, besides just the withdrawal symptoms, they're more highly likely to relapse them and go back into a depression or even, you know, um, have it worsen and start to have suicidal ideations. And some of these withdrawal symptoms are so bad that people start to become suicidal because they just like can't handle it anymore. So I think I would like to promote more of like a very slow, long taper over like months to years, even in some cases for people who are highly sensitive to this. Yeah. Um, and that's just not what's happening. Yeah, that's huge. Yeah. Yeah, they don't tell you about that. You know, how easy is it to get uh, like an SSRI or an antidepressant? If I come up to you and I say, hey, I'm not feeling too good. I haven't been feeling good for the past, you know, five years of my life. I'm feeling really down, really depressed, doctor. What do I, what do I need? Like how I easy? I would say it's super easy to get prescribed an antidepressant. I had one of my friends tell me, you know, they got COVID, you know, whatever, went through the whole thing, went for a follow-up, didn't even talk about anything about depression. And, and the prescriber just recommended that they start an SSRI. Wow. And those they are highly even, addictive, right? Yes. I, wow. I would say people get pretty like physically dependent on them. And it's, and it depends on which one. Some are harder to come off than others. Um, and I'll say the first one I was prescribed was I was no assessment was given. I was I wasn't even recommended therapy or anything. It was an OBGYN. So like a woman doctor, right, who prescribed my first SSRI. And wow. And then I thought, I'm doing something good. I'm trying to seek help. This is like the right thing. And looking back, I'm like, wow, they didn't even do an assessment. It was like, like such mild symptoms. Looking back, like I probably would have been fine with some medication, a little bit of therapy, right? But then that just kind of started me on this 
antidepressant type of hopping in the future. Mm. Um, and I, and I just worry that that's the case for so many other people out there. It is. It's the case for probably millions of people, which is yeah. uh, insane. It is. And if you try to speak about it, it seems like the stigma is like you're hating on the person for like trying that. But like, you know, sometimes I've said things to people and they're like, well, you know, I can take it if I want, you know, if it makes me happy. But it, I think it's just more so of like looking at it like there's a better way to approach this. And, you know, literally these people unfortunately are addicted to something like there is a physical addiction to these drugs that are easily accessible and it's um it is it's kind of scary it's very daunting to think about that yeah it is really scary and um you know if people choose to take them that's their choice you know um and you know i'm sure they do help in in some cases for some people but i do not think they are meant to be on for a long time yeah um, i could see them being used you know kind of as a crutch in the short time to help you build some of those coping skills mm-hmm. build some of those lifestyle skills you know when there was no other treatments which now we know there's ketamine you know is is out there now psychedelics are being researched so now we know there's other treatments but when there wasn't you know all you had was ssris um and now I'm sure there's millions of people who don't want to be on them who are kind of almost stuck on there because I've heard of so many people who've tried to taper off. They can't. It's just too hard. They have yeah. to go back on. Um, mm. Yeah. That's tough. That's tough. Can you explain what, uh, if you want to get into it, you don't have to, uh, what psychedelics experience that you have with any kind of psychedelic substance and what they did for you and yeah anything else you want to tell us yeah so i had um a legal experience in the netherlands so i was very fortunate to be able to uh, travel out there a few times and um have an experience with the legal truffles um and I think it's just like, I don't know. It's like something I've never experienced before. It's very indescribable. It's hard to describe the experience. Um, What was Emily before? And then what was Emily after? Yeah. So I don't know. I think before my mind was a little bit more open to begin with. So I'd finally been off of antidepressants for maybe like five years at that time. So I feel like I've had some time to kind of recruit, really started working on myself, really wanted to improve myself. Um, And I think that's why I stumbled across psychedelics to begin with, because not only for patients, but for myself, I'm like something, something's missing. Like I'm trying, but like there's a missing piece here for me at least. Um, and yeah, I think after the experience, it's weird. I feel like it's like, it changed me in a way where like very subtle, like subtle changes that I would just start to notice after the experience, like randomly, um, or I think it just allowed me to be a bit more open 
I think it made me a bit more sensitive to my surroundings, which could be a positive and negative because I'm already a pretty sensitive person and very sensitive to the external things. Um, but it's changed my thinking a little bit. I think it's helped me become more self-aware um, and kind of challenge some of the, some of my own beliefs and give me hope as well. Mm. You know, that's a big um, one. And it's like, yeah, like I would just kind of catch myself like I did something different. I thought about this differently or I'm seeing this and I'm like evaluating it in a different light. I can see this from a different perspective. Mm -hmm. like and I just realized, yeah, I just realized that I had changed in such a subtle way. Mm -hmm. um, and I feel like it's helped me really want to um, continue to do my meditation practice and journaling and kind of helped me see how, yeah, when I exercise in the morning, that helps me calm down. I feel really good from that. Um, yeah, it's, I don't know, it's, it's hard to describe for me, but mm -hmm. kind of like that, just like, I just realized I changed subtly and my thinking's kind of changed. And um, yeah, my, my mood, you know, maybe has improved. But for me, and I know I have a lot of work to do that I find myself like after a while, I'll be kind of stuck when I'm like, okay, I think, I think it's time for me to have an experience again. Mm -hmm. So yeah, that's been my experience. What about you? Hmm. I mean, it's in the same aspect. It's, you know, it, it just allowed me to approach my being from a different, like you said, perspective, like just switching up the point of view in a way and in, in looking at myself in a way that I never really was able to um, absolutely blew my mind felt like emotions felt like what the meaning of love truly was and the underlying concept of love I never really like I don't know just showed me a different light in that um, and it showed me the path like you said like there it showed me a way to live my life to know that I had to kind of get my shit together, as they say, just kind of like, oh, like, you know, take care of my being, know that I am truly responsible for my own happiness in this life. Um, and this is over multiple times, too. This isn't just one time I'm talking about. Yeah. This is like using it as, like you said, like knowing when I have to use it as like a sacramental medicine. And uh, I haven't used it in a long time, though. So that's it's interesting to me. The biggest thing and I think is interesting about these medicines is that they're not like we talked about with the SSRIs. You don't have you don't become dependent on them. It, 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 if you just approach them like a tool and use it when you need it, they can be very helpful allies to the whole journey, this whole process of life. Because I haven't done it probably like over a year, year and a half. But this the the lessons that I learned while in those states have stuck with me. And that's, that's huge because there's no physical dependency. There's no withdrawal symptoms, yet I'm healing myself of certain ailments like that I would have to use SSRIs for probably or antidepressants. It's very, it's very peculiar to me how it's just like, 
a four to six hour session can heal anxiety and depression in such a like it's just just a quick way because I use it also like when I get certain like it used to be for me like when I I needed some kind of guidance like some kind of positive guidance in my life and uh, I would just be like all right well I'm gonna go turn to the mushrooms and see see what this has to show me and it would like if I used it with the right intention which I think is important for everybody to go into it with the right intention and if you do it in the right setting in a controlled safe environment you can you can inspect yourself from a whole nother perspective that would probably take years of, you know, meditation or just do like, on the reg. <laughs> Seriously, like the, these things are so powerful to for us to be able to change. Like we like we began this conversation on like the, it allowed me to become a new person and approach life in a new way. And like I, 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 I took up yoga. Um, I write sometimes, I do this podcast. Like I don't yeah. think I would do any of these things without these plant medicines kind of like giving me like a little help along the way. And it, like you said, it's a very indescribable um, way of help in a way that they interact with us. It's just like on an unconscious level, these, uh, these things allow us to open up things inside of ourselves that normally would take a very long time. And it's the aspect of confronting certain emotional states that we kind of shy away in our regular life, I think. There's something about, because when you do a mushroom trip or whatever, you know, whatever it is, I just have a lot of experience with mushrooms. It's like not always fun, but it's a healing, you know, it's, it's not something like, you know, drinking alcohol. It's something you take to like, all right, well... This next four to six hours is probably going to be a little intense. It could be, but I'm going to do this to heal. I'm going to do this to truly change. And that is the intention that we need to set when we take these things. Because it's not really, for me, I realize it's not more so about the substance as more so as the intention. I think that's a huge thing that I learned from it. So from there... I realized I can set that intention on the reg. Like you don't always need these things, you know, like I, it's like my last time that I did mushrooms, I actually realized that I don't need mushrooms. <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's ironic because we all don't, but like we, sometimes we do and we need these things to show us the way, the path, you know, the, the journey that is life. It just need for me, it acted as like a reminder to show me the sanctity of life. If you want to put it very simply in one sentence, it showed me how precious this life is and that I should love it no matter how bad or how good it is. It's it's a journey no matter what. And the crazy thing is that it showed me it's not, it's, I'm not the only one on this journey. Everybody else is on this journey of some may say it's samsara. Uh, it's the journey of finding out who we are. We're all collectively going through this crazy journey, which is the journey. I'm, I'm getting to the point. The journey is <laughs> we're all figuring out what we really are. Slowly but surely, these things are shining a light on what it really means to be a human being. And it doesn't just mean you do mushrooms all the time. It's going to give you the answers, but it's kind of like, 
I said, it's, it's the journey. The journey is the destination. Mushrooms show me that being a human being is going through the process, almost like a metamorphosis of finding out what we truly are at a deeper level. And that, that process is the process of meditation, uh, yoga, journaling like you do, whatever it is, exploring ourselves, really asking questions, being curious. Those are traits that I've taken from the psychedelic experience to tr and, and try to keep that in my life at all times. Not always 100% like on that level, but it's possible. So uh, that was a very long winded answer to your question, but it pretty much comes down to showing us a different way to live. And that way to live isn't, if you go in with the right intention, that way to live is like the way, as they call it. It's the Tao. There is like, once you, once you know, you know. And these things can, not always, they can show you a better way to live. And it essentially makes you happier. And that's what we all want. Yeah. And I love the way you describe that. Um, and Thanks. Yeah, I think... I think for me too, it's like, like you said, setting intentions is really important. And, um, and for me, I find, you know, I set intentions. Um, and sometimes what comes up is not what I intended. <laughs> and I think that's part of the process. It's like, it kind of, it's weird because everything that I've been shown, a lot of it is stuff I already knew, but it's like making it apparent to me that like, Hey, look at this. Look at this. Hey, you know that this is going on, but like you need to do something about it. You can't just keep, you know, like doing these things or having these like thoughts. Um, you know, some like if people have some kind of like traumas or I don't know, things from their past that they need to work on or stuff that they need to work on and, and haven't. Um, I think it kind of shows you that. Yeah. And maybe brings it brings stuff to light because I always kind of come away from it like wow this is so profound but I also already knew these things hmm. but now I know that I need to like take these steps to work on it and I think that's part of the integration piece um I also feel like every time yeah I feel connected to everything makes me feel like we're all connected like you said on this journey together um know the absurdity of life sometimes just normally even before psychedelics I just feel like life is so bizarre sometimes <laughs> um <laughs> you know mm -hmm. and um yeah and it also just made me feel like there's something higher than myself if you want to call that a mystical experience or whatever but it, it feels very universal to me too like no matter I don't know what kind of background you come from you know we're all connected and influence each other in some kind of way. Mm -hmm. um, and and like you said, yeah, it's a four to eight hour sometimes experience and you need to prepare. And then, you know, it can be quite exhausting and taxing physically and emotionally on yes. someone. So that's not, you're not like, at least for me, I'm like, I don't want to be tripping on mushrooms, you know, like once a week because it's just, such a intense kind of profound thing that you know any every time I think about like wanting to do it or feeling like I should I'm like okay am I really ready do I have enough time and this is one thing too I think 
um, with society. And I'm hoping with the whole psychedelic thing that we'll have some kind of like societal or like systematic change because it's like, if we want to heal and be well, we need to take time to rest and we need to take the time to do these things, right? Like if you want to do yoga and journaling and all these things, like when I look at my ideal morning and nighttime routine, it takes me a long time to do all of these things, right? And if you're going to do a retreat or have an experience like that, you want to give yourself you know, time to prepare, right? You want to be in a good space. You want to meditate before you want to be eating healthy, then you want to take time. Well, then you have to have the experience. And then you want to take time to integrate, reflect. Because for me too, I feel like if I don't write stuff down, and if I'm not actively reflecting on it, I'll start to forget what happens, you know, if mm -hmm. I don't have time to like focus on it. So in our society, like, we don't even have guaranteed sick leave. We saw that with the pandemic, people don't even have guaranteed sick leave. I think we need to have mental health days in like employers and companies should give people time to take mental health days to work on their health and wellness. It's like, we're going to have these retreat centers. We're going to have these psychedelic therapy centers, but who's going to have time to go do them? You're going to have to choose between what, like your vacation or going to a retreat center, spending time with your family. Like we shouldn't have to choose, Yeah. you know, it should be like incorporated. Um, so that's one big thing is just like, you know, and, and with maternity leave too, because so many women have postpartum depression. We're not giving these women adequate support and that's detrimental to their health and well-being and, and their child's. Um, so like systemically and so like society wise, we need to like prioritize the things that really matter. And mm. for me, that's like rest. I mean, we're so productive as a society, you know, it's just all about like churning out things. And, you know, I think even that, like, even if you do psychedelics and even if you try to do all of these things, well, if you can only, you know, there's only like so many jobs and if you are kind of like stuck in a job or trying to figure out how to kind of get out of that grind like that can be really disheartening and you can kind of lose hope when you're you know I think too when you have such a beautiful magical experience and you're thinking about like you said who you really are what what are you not just what you produce or how much money that you make but like who are you at the core what does it mean to be a human being and then you have to go back to the everyday life Hmm, yeah. with all of these like structures kind of like, you know, stuck in a box. Like, I think that can be hard. Definitely. Yeah. That's the thing is it's not easy. This whole process that we're talking about, it's not always like easy butterflies and rainbows. It's, it's, it's a difficult process or it can be a difficult process that um, I think we're all just a little afraid to confront our demons on kind of thing. It's just like, human beings like comfort you know which is understandable but we somehow have to show the idea that it's not like comfort isn't always good if that makes sense like we have to like the comfort that we've built the the, the american or western comfort bubble of human beings has gotten us into it seems to be a place that the world shouldn't be in so we kind of need to look outside the boundaries of that uh that we've kind of built for ourselves through the the systems that we've built um it's just difficult like how i don't know how do you convince people that this is the way like you know what i mean because like yes it, it requires struggle 
<laughs> or yeah. at least confronting our struggle too. Yes, I it's. Um, I, I think it is a difficult process, especially when people are so stuck in, you know, kind of like, I don't know, the norm. Yeah. Um, and I feel like for me, it's been kind of difficult because like, I kind of feel like maybe I'm not so much in the norm or sometimes I don't even consider myself like a typical pharmacist just because when I work with other pharmacists and kind of tell them about my ideas and my thoughts and they're just like what are you talking about (laughs) you know like psychedelics what or like you know this and that like why but then I'm like well now look look at our profession now our profession has been taken over by corporations because we've just been comfortable and compliant with our six-figure salary. And now, what did they do? Now, they're understaffing people. They're cutting salaries. The working conditions are pretty horrible in retail pharmacy, especially. Um, and even sometimes in hospitals when you're working nights and weekends. And it's all because we felt comfortable where we were and kind of just didn't want to advocate more for ourselves or we didn't you know see that we could change things in a different way and just let other people kind of do things for us so as a profession overall I think that's something we really struggle with and um yeah we need more people to be like innovative and and open-minded when it comes to things like healthcare and just a lot of things in general yeah well that's where you come in definitely (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So, I mean, that's one thing that I'm super passionate about is just kind of changing like healthcare overall and how we think about stuff and, and also like how we live our lives, you know, what, what brings us meaning, what's really important. Um, And so for me, that's really rest and like, like my own freedom too. So for me, I live kind of a, you know, people talk about that, like minimalistic lifestyle. um, And that's because like, I don't want to be tied to a mortgage, right? That's forcing me to have some kind of job, right? Where I have to be working for a corporation or something. So, you know, I am very cognizant and conscientious about not trying to tie myself down to stuff and Mm. really able to, you know, travel when I want and keeping my expenses low. You know, like I've had the same car for 10 years now because, Sure, I could have graduated with my farm D. That's a big thing. Everybody went out and bought a brand new car, you know. Mm. But I'm like, okay, a car might make me really happy, you know, like buying a Tesla or something. That's super cool, you know. Like, um, but in the short term, it's not really going to bring me like true happiness in the sense of what I really value. And yeah. I think I've just become more aware of that, mm-hmm. like as I've gotten older. Yeah, yeah. that's Buddhism one on one right there. <laughs> is that what um you got from the psychedelic experience like is that how you came to these conclusions of the transitory nature of our world where everything is temporary i think i've had a little bit about it before but then i would get kind of sucked back in to the norm very easily and so yeah i think maybe with psychedelics it's kind of helped me really stick to what i believe in Um, I think one of the first times I realized I didn't need much was when I did, I was lucky to do a pharmacy rotation on the island of Maui in Hawaii for a couple of months. And I'm like, it was just me, my suitcase and the beach. And I, and it's just like, so laid back there. I don't know. It just feels very magical. So much nature and just, I don't know, being by the ocean is so magical. And I'm like, 
yeah, all I need is like some good people, you know, being at a beautiful place and I'm just doing my thing and I just have my suitcase and I had so much stuff. I, I had like a whole bunch of crap in storage, you know, and I just realized I didn't even need, I literally didn't need like any of it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so That's that was awesome. one of the first times it was really eye opening to me just like, Oh, what is all this stuff I've been collecting? So yeah, I just tried to like, not have so much stuff. I feel like the more stuff, the more complicated, the more things I have to think about. Um, yeah. Yeah. I think that's the future. I think the world is moving toward a slowly more minimalistic way of thinking. We just have to deprogram ourselves from the norm. The, the idea that we've been programmed our entire life on, which is material goods are going to make us happy. The more, 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 and you'll be happier, happier, happier as you get more, more, more. But that is obviously, you know, not how it is. We've just been pretty much our entire lives shown that like, yeah, this is, this is it. This is how you get happy, man. You get the car, you get the house, you get all of this. Look at this. But it's not, that's not the way. And I think that's the process of yoga, the process of integrating plant medicines. It's it's showing yourself a new way. It's literally almost rewiring your brain in a different way to think differently, to deprogram yourself from the default mode network and then live according to um, true happiness, live according to the, the true peace that resides inside of us and the stillness that resides inside of us and the connection that resides inside of us. That's true happiness, like attaining that, not material goods that is which it's it's crazy how many people still living under that paradigm like it's not that's obviously not the way man but when you go out into nature and you you know when you when you go out into the beach for a little bit and you just take time to just you know like you said be by yourself reflect feel that connection there is this unspoken communication with the earth that will tell you that this is this is happiness that like there is true happiness inside of all of us. We just have to find it first. You know, the kingdom of heaven is within and it's true, but that doesn't, it's not without the kingdom of heaven is not out. It's within. So if you keep looking out to things, you're never going to find it where it's in. It sounds cliche, but it's actually true. Like there's no other way to put it. Like we are all, we all have it inside of us to be happy, but we're just so glued to the outside world we're glued to uh, a computer screen or some music or just anything on the outside world like a good movie a story or something but it's good to take time to just disconnect and connect with what's truly inside of all of us but it just our world doesn't allow that or it doesn't like even tell us that 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 is the way like you just have to you know, just disconnect, put your phone down, stop listening to this podcast, go outside, take a walk, uh, you know, maybe just shut off the lights for a little bit, just close your eyes and just breathe and just feel how that feels to just be. Think about it, right? It's the, it's the simplest, hardest thing to do to just be. It's ironic. It's crazy. Like we just can't, we live in a time where we can't just be it seems to just be still and when you be still and just feel that connection to everything um 
that is happiness. Like when you can truly reside in that universal connection with everything, that's everything. Not just like, that's everything. We are everything. You know what that means? We're like our being is not just of this body that is also transitory, that is also temporary. You'll come to find that. That means that your being is everything that is not transitory, that is forever. Like, you know what I'm trying to say? It's like these things show us a yeah. new way to view our being. And it doesn't come, it doesn't come from anything from the outside world. Just it's just the hardest thing is getting on that paradigm. Like, how do we show people that that's the way? Because it's the only truth. Like, it is the truth. The truth is that we can, we all have the ability to be completely happy in this life. Everybody. I fully believe that. If you're a human being, you have the ability to, to find the path and cultivate your own happiness. And plant medicines are a a very um, surefire way to get there. It seems to be in the using the right way. It's like a quick catalyst to show you the path, the journey, the way to happiness. But it's just like, it, it still to me doesn't seem like enough. Like there's seven and a half billion people on earth. I don't know, man. I think well, we're all capable. It's just, we got a long way to go. Yeah, I think we do have a long way to go. And I think you're spot on. I really think, I think we all have an intuition about what we're really all about and this inner healing capability, right? Because the body heals itself. So I, I think we have the ability to heal ourselves on this innate capability of who we are. And you're right, we, we need to disconnect from everything to reconnect with ourselves. And And I see it looking back in my life, how I think some of my depression was maybe more existential and kind of like living this life in this society. And I'm like, something feels off here. And I see that in myself that I identified it, but it's the programming when you're in school with a certain programming and they're preparing you for a certain, you know, to get a job in this certain programming. And it's just like beaten into you, I think repetitively. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, and especially if your parents haven't worked on themselves or haven't, you know, found that, then I think you're kind of just, you know, kids are like sponges. So you're just kind of absorbing everything from, from them too. So if, if everywhere you go and look, you know, that's the thing, this is normal. You're going to have a hard time. I think getting out of that, unless you can talk to somebody who's, kind of been there and done that or maybe have your own psychedelic experience. Um, yeah. And, and I think we're going to need maybe a bigger change, hopefully with psychedelics, but you know, I think at least in the United States too, like with businesses, I mean, corporations and um, you know, have so much power, right. In, in everything. And I, I'm kind of passionate about businesses being more, conscious and having a conscience right mm -hmm. with how they're practicing their business because everybody needs a job everybody needs to make money to survive that's kind of how we survive right like in, in today's times and I think they need to become more responsible in what kind of jobs they have how are these jobs you know like how are people working in these jobs are these meaningful type of jobs how are they running their business not just from a sustainable 
you know, and, and how does it impact the earth and, and whatnot, but like, you know, how is it impacting society and people's well-being? I think a lot of people are getting underpaid, you know, people don't have good benefits. Um, I think all of that too, kind of businesses aren't prioritizing rest and vacation. People get what, if you get vacation, you get like two weeks vacation. I mean, you know, so sometimes I think that, like, like you're saying, I think people have an inner healing capability and some kind of intuition, but I think it can be hard when, you know, you have to make a living you have to provide for yourself, but then you're stuck in this kind of programming. Yeah. It can be hard. Mm-hmm. I think um, that's where, like, I don't think it, we're going to be able to do it in this generation. I think it's just going to take multiple generations for us to truly change and and adopt ways in the system of having a conscience it just takes time it's just so it is like in today's world it's so tough to be able to be happy or to find that happiness to find that journey that path when you have to pay the bills and you know you have three kids and you barely making ends meet and you have to work two three jobs so it's it's completely understandable, man. Like, I get it. It makes sense. It's just like, we're going to have to change or else it's just, I don't know. It's just not going to work. It's just not going to work. We either have to become more conscious um, in the workplace uh, of employees, you know, mental health, uh, or we have to just develop robots and the robots have to work for us and we have to stop working because it's just like work is a drain especially if you're doing something for 40 50 hours 60 hours a week that you absolutely despise you know that's not your life purpose like how are you going to find the path when you have to do something longer than your home you know and it just mentally drains you it's tough i understand like this whole this whole thing we're talking about is even though, like I say, like we all need to get on that wavelength, like it's tough, man. We're all just trying to survive. Like we're just, it's, this is the struggle. We're all just trying to get through it at the end of the day. And to be able to transcend our root chakra, to be able to transcend our survival instincts, to just pay the bills and put food on the table and survive and reproduce, to enable to heighten the state of consciousness, we need to take time for ourselves and do certain things like psychedelics and meditation and the whole you know the whole journey and the whole path but that takes time and effort it and and if we don't have enough time for ourselves to just survive then how are we going to find time to be able to go within and that's what kind of what happened this year with or last year with the coronavirus where people had time from their jobs they literally we had like a free vacation thanks to a pandemic and people had time off to just be at home and to just rest and meditate. And I've read stories from a lot of people on the internet that say like the, the past year has been huge for their time to just um, cultivate that 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 stillness and peace within themselves, you know, to find it, to, to peel the layers back of themselves, to just simply just meditate. Um, and I blame, our, like you said, our work environment for us not being able to do that. It's uh, it's unfortunate, but it's needed in this current time. So do you think in the future we just like... Well, it is. And, and I'm even like, why do we, you know, 
of course we have a 40 hour work week, right? That's normal. But I'm like, well, I thought this was kind of set from like a long time ago, right? Back when there was like manufacturing jobs. And it's like the workforce is completely different. It's all tech jobs and like intellectual type of stuff. And like, why does it have to be a 40 hour work week? I really don't understand why we have to work Monday through Friday, nine to five. Plus if you, especially for women, right? Okay. Like I don't want equality as a woman. I think, I think I want fairness, right? Mm -hmm. Like Mm -hmm. I don't want, because we're not equal, we're different. And a lot of women still bear, you know, a lot of the child raising responsibilities and household chores, even when they have a full-time job. Um, So that, I mean, that's a completely separate thing, but um, like a whole nother (laughs) thing that I could kind of go on, but I don't know. Why do we have to work 40 hours? Why not 32? Why not less than that? Why not a flexible schedule? Like, I seriously just don't understand why it's nine to five. I mean, yeah, productivity, but we are so productive as people. We are making these companies billions of dollars. I think, what, are we on track to having our first trillionaire? I mean, like, who needs that kind of money? Nobody. People need to be able to you know, make a living wage and rest. They are producing so much profits for these companies. And I think we should have less work and more time to rest and enjoy life. I mean, we're making so many profits. It's like, yeah, uh, that's what I think. Um, And I also think we need to kind of change. It's like, who do we value in society? It just seems like we, we, kind of revere or put people on a pedestal who are like very extroverted and charismatic and dominant. Right. But what about the people who have integrity and empathy and loyalty? Mm-hmm. It's like, you know, I think there's kind of a missing piece too of like who we value as leaders in this society and who we value as leaders and companies. Um, and it just seems like it's people who are very dominant, charismatic, like extroverted. And we, we're not valuing the people who have empathy, integrity, some of these traits, I think that are needed to shift some of these like corporate models and some of the other things in society. Yeah, I agree. I think we're slowly moving there. Um, but yeah, it's, uh, it's going to take some time. we are slowly going to that more um appreciating true humanness in a person slowly i just i don't we're not quite there yet but it's up to us to be the change you know we have to every single one of us has to embody first that we have to go within ourselves and know what we want to embody on the outside and that you know, is reflected on the outside. I almost see the outside world as a mirror for our collective um, emotional being inside of ourself. It's like a, like, you know, going back to the pandemic, it's like a collective sickness. Maybe that means we're also sick on the inside as well. It's like a mirror in a way. And it's kind of like showing us something. So these people that we look up to maybe are showing us something you know, that we need to change. And we will. I think we will. It's going to take some time. Like I said. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. where, where, where do you... So what do you plan to do within the next, I don't know, five, ten years? Like, what is your goal? Oh, that's a good question. I think, 
you know, I'm not really sure. I have, you know, some interests and some things I want to do. And, and I feel like, yeah, in this journey, um, you know, I didn't expect to be here working with psychedelics. Never saw this coming. Never saw a lot of things coming in my life. It's kind of like, I don't know, things just kind of like happen. And um, yeah, and I'm grateful that they happen. Um, but in the next five to 10 years, I think what I'd really like to do is kind of build up my consulting business a little bit, um, you know, focusing on proper antidepressant tapering, helping people kind of get connected with psychedelic medicine. So, you know, educating them about harm reduction, um, getting them hooked up with, you know, either retreat centers or, you know, in Oregon, they're going to start offering psilocybin therapy in 2023. So trying to help people get access to these medicines as well. Um, and hopefully with some of that stuff, on a larger scale, I can kind of help shape maybe the like healthcare system as an all. So I don't know if that'll be more working in advocacy, you know, trying to fight for people like to get some of these things covered by insurance too. So it's affordable and accessible. Uh, but that's one of the reasons I moved out. So I moved out to Portland, Oregon from Milwaukee, Wisconsin, because I'm like, okay, this is where it's happening and I want to get involved and if I can try to help, you know, shape it in the right way, um, which is also like, you know, equitable access because one thing I can see is, you know, these therapies may be being too expensive for a lot of the average people, mm. um, you know, to, to get a hold of them. And so they picked the, I think the um, Oregon Health Authority picked their advisory board for the psilocybin therapies. So they're going to be writing some like laws and regulations, you know, once they implement this in 2023. And it was a bit disappointing to see that they didn't have any pharmacists out of, I think, like 14 or 15 people that they picked. Hmm. So one of my things is advocating for pharmacists to get more involved in these roles too. So I think a bunch of different things that you know, I'd like to work on in the next five to 10 years. And also if I could get into maybe more public policy type of stuff too, um, you know, the whole thing with having companies making an requirement for them to give employees mental health days and maternity leave and, and things like that, some systematic change. So I don't see that happening right now because I've got so many other projects with psychedelics and, the, you know, my consulting business and working with the Psychedelic Pharmacist Association. But um, maybe in the future, I can get more involved in, in that type of stuff and um, helping with more systemic changes or even, you know, working for companies to help them integrate these things. So if I could work for healthcare companies to help them, um, you know, have the integrative health mo model, what does that mean? How can we incorporate pharmacists and health coaches and, and things like that? Or helping businesses become more conscious and conscientious about kind of how they're running companies. So making change and helping people pretty much. That's what I see in the next <laughs> five, 10 years. That's amazing. That's yeah. great. I have faith in you. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> uh, when, how long of a time span would you say that these things become legalized? Even, even if it's just like for um, therapeutic use, like in a, how many years you think? Well, so in Oregon, they're going to try to open up 
I think, applications to start providing these in 2023. So what is that, like two years from now, I think? Mm -hmm. So that's pretty close. Um, I think MAPS is pretty close to getting, I think they're in phase three trials. So I think MDMA might be approved in the next three years, next couple of years for sure. Mm. Um, And then psilocybin, I think the FDA designated that as breakthrough therapy for two companies, USONA and Compass. So you know, maybe three to five years, um, maybe sooner if more states follow follow Oregon, you know, maybe maybe in four or five years. So I, I see it happening. I think these things are, are going to get approved. Um, but I also hope we have more decriminalization because I really think all drugs should be decriminalized. So that's what they did in Oregon. So I think that's amazing that that they got that passed um, because I think- How are you, you guys know, doing over there? Is everything okay? Yeah, so, so far, yeah. <laughs> okay. Just making sure. I didn't know if the Oregon was burning yet because of that. No, no. <laughs> um, maybe before I got here, but um, not since. But um, <laughs> yeah, but I think I think decriminalization is important because it's like, you know, these things not only can help people, you know, treat mental health conditions, but I think they can help you just change in different ways, explore yourself, improve your overall well-being. You know, so you might not actually need a treatment, but you just need maybe like a safe a space to kind of have the experience or some education on, you know, how to best uh, take the substance. And so maybe in some kind of decriminalization measure coupled with, I don't know, a lot of education to the general public, that'll be possible too. So I don't see it really becoming recreational, you know, per se anytime yeah. soon. I think there's a lot of people who want it to be. Um but but I don't know. Who knows? But I, I would I would love it to be where people could go into pharmacies or talk to pharmacists about this stuff. I think we could really provide education if people, you know, grew the substance at home. Um, of course, when it's, you know, decriminalized or, or legal, not, you know, I don't advocate anybody doing anything illegal, but that we could help them, you know, help screen them and help provide them some general education if they wanted to do it in a sp- safe space, you know, like the comfort of their home with maybe like a trusted person. Yeah. I think that's education that we could provide. Um, yeah. Yeah, I agree. I say it's a crime against humanity that these things are illegal. Marijuana is a Schedule One substance. You know what that means? That means there's no medicinal benefit whatsoever, according to the law. How do we still live in that world? It makes no sense to me. No sense. And, and these other plant medicines are also scheduled to, you know, with certain criteria on what they provide to us. But like, none of that's true. Like, it's why are these things kept from us, man? It's horrible. Like it is. It's a crime against humanity that there's millions of people suffering. And a lot of them don't want to even explore psychedelics because it's illegal. It's the idea yes. of it being illegal. It's like scary. It's like, oh, no, I can't yes. do that. So decriminalization, yeah. yes, is the first step, I think, to changing people's minds yeah. and changing the world. Definitely. I think, yeah, there is such a stigma. I mean, um, you know, for me, too, I, I, when I first kind of got into this, I was like, hmm, is this something I share publicly? Because, you know, I'm a licensed pharmacist. Is this going to, like, affect my licensure? Or, is you know, is nobody going to want to hire me if I don't work in psychedelics, but I think I just felt so compelled to it that I was like, I'm going all in. This is my truth. And yeah. for me, authenticity and just like my truth is so important. Mm-hmm. Um, 
So yeah. <laughs> so That's about amazing. That. Stick. What is truth? How do you define your truth? My truth. Um, yeah, I guess my truth is really. I think it's like my values. I don't know. I think I just have some like a core set of values and they're my truth. And for me, it's about like honesty, integrity, empathy, compassion, um, authenticity. And yeah, I just feel like, and, and fairness, I feel like those things are kind of like my core values. Um, and so all the work that I do, you know, I really need it to be in line with my values to feel like, okay. Mm. yeah that's awesome yeah which can be hard (laughs) (laughs) it can be hard yeah yeah living according to truth might not be the easiest thing but it's it's like it's it's truth you can't you can't you know it's you can't hide from the truth like the once you find it within yourself there's correct me if I'm wrong, there's no one that's going to tell you to not live according to your truth, right? Yeah. And and I think the psychedelics have kind of helped me with this, like, feel more okay with that. Because I think in the past, you know, it was, um, you know, bumping heads with people, right? Or like, people not liking what I was aligned with. And I think now I'm more like, I'm okay. You know, like, this is who I am. And if if you don't like any of that, well, then maybe we, sh- you know, we shouldn't work together. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, I just, yeah, I can't, can't and- handle the truth. Yeah, <laughs> and <laughs> and going back to, um, yeah, like the schedule one substances, it is really crazy. I mean, when you really just look at things like LSD and psilocybin on like a pharmacological level, and you look at the safety, it's like these things have a lower potential for addiction and abuse than things like caffeine nicotine, um, and alcohol. And then when you look at the toxicity and this, you know, the relative harm to people, you know, there, you don't see, I think there's like maybe a couple of deaths, um, compared to the numerous amount of harm done by things like alcohol, caffeine, and nicotine. So that to me, when you just look at it, if you take away the stigma and all the things associated with it, and you're just looking at the data, yeah. To me as a pharmacist, I'm like, it's a no brainer. This makes Mm. sense. It, you know, um, yeah, we give people prescribed drugs that have a lot more harmful side effects and long-term effects than things like Mm -hmm. psilocybin. Yep. Yeah. Isn't that crazy? Like nobody's ever died. Actually, I think maybe two people, three people. I don't know. I think there were been a couple of cases. So I think there were some reports that, of serotonin syndrome from really high doses of psilocybin, really which doses. really high doses. Yeah. <laughs> um, so that's a thing, but very, very rare. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, just look at the numbers, man. It's there. Like everybody has access to it. You can just see it. That's the truth. It's just like these things. It's Isn't that crazy? Because if these things killed us, then they would, nobody would be on board with legalizing them. But it's just like, you can't argue with it. Like, look, this is like, you're, it's not going to physically harm you. Like these things are literally not going to kill us. To, to overdose on mushrooms, you need to eat like what two ounces or something, which is or two pounds, like something like that. It's it's insane. The same thing with LSD, and the same thing with cannabis, and um, yeah, DMT. Like all of these things, 
you just need it's not going to kill you and that's the that's the miracle behind psychedelics it's like they're not like you can take as much as you want you might you might feel like you're dying but you're probably you're not going to die it's um it's a beautiful thing it, it, and it's crazy that they are like when you just look at the numbers just like you just put it plain simple that these things are still illegal and people will still argue against them it's like come on man why is marijuana still schedule 1 it doesn't make any sense it's up there with like crack cocaine um i think meth opiates like you know heroin and some other ones and then there's like marijuana thrown in the mix it makes no sense it makes no sense <laughs> it's crazy yeah no it it doesn't when you look at the data it, no it doesn't make any sense but yeah that's why it's important for you to live according to the truth and spread the truth to people because we just we all need to know at this point to know, to like it's something that you would think and i think about this too when i take these things i'm like why aren't more people talking about this why is this like it people are like it is obviously we are coming to a point where people are talking about it but i'm like why is it taking so long like i don't understand <laughs> i shouldn't have had to find this out myself it doesn't make any sense but it's that's what like getting back to it, it's that's why it's important for people like you to speak about this because in education like you talked about before is extremely important to the whole experience it's not just like hey here's an eighth of mushrooms go out mm. you know go do whatever you want it's no you have to know about the experience behind these things and once you have the whole package of the experience behind these things and maybe facilitators like you and other people out there these things can truly change the world um and it's unfortunately we still live under um you know the the, the ancient laws of the drug war we we are still under that the the curtain of the drug war for some reason but we'll get there it's just going to take some change yeah and i think i mean i didn't always think this way about psychedelics right i mean you know growing up we had i don't know if you had the dare program yeah. <laughs> do you remember dare oh my god yeah um just telling you how things like yeah psychedelics cannabis of course some of the other drugs um, you know, everything's bad in. for it you was a cop yes it, it was wasn't a just cop. like a random guy like, All right, let's bring a cop <laughs> and show these yeah. sixth and seventh graders like it's like intimidation don't ever touch that weed you know the cops yes got, like, a i gun actually crazy, stumbled man. upon a dare essay that i wrote um i think oh, i won man. a prize for it but it was so horrible i was like oh my god if you do drugs like you're not going to college and like your life's gonna be crap you know <laughs> and i'm like oh my god but it's it's that it's the programming it's what they put in your head i mean i don't think i think even you know not so long ago like even in pharmacy school you know i mean you just kind of in your training you're just taught like no these things are addictive they're not good they cause psychosis all of this misinformation um you know you just you just don't even think to really look into it. You're just like, that's mm -hmm. bad. I, I, I was taught that in dare. It's just bad. You stay away from it. So yeah, it's fear. It's just so crazy now how I completely, you know, have a different perceptive like perception and, and view uh, about, about these things. Yeah. It's amazing. And then once you yeah. get it, you don't go back. Like there's no, once you open the door, you always know what's on the other side. That's what I like to say. And, I always know that there's this other aspect, like this other way of living, this other way of perception. And uh, yeah, it's a beautiful thing. It's kind of like salvation in a way. Like it's kind of saved my mental being 
to know that there's always hope. I think you mentioned that earlier. There's yeah. it gave you like a sense of hope, and that's huge. We all need a little bit of hope right now. So yeah, these things give you hope. It's huge. Oh man, I don't know. Uh, it's we just have to keep doing our thing, Emily. I think you're one of the good ones. Uh, you know, you, you, this is just the beginning of this whole. Um, I guess you can say psychedelic renaissance or healing renaissance, holistic renaissance. This is a new way to approach what it means to be a human being. And it's up to people like you to facilitate that for future generations as well, to build the foundation of a better world than the one we're currently living in. Because the one we're currently living in is a little, it's a little backwards in some ways. <laughs> but that's where we're going. We're in the, uh, I like to say humanities, uh, humans are in the puberty stage in a way it's like we're going through a little growing stages to become who we're truly meant to be um, but it takes all of us we all have to do it and we all have to live according to our truth not anybody else's not the phones you know not any of these celebrities that we idolize not any politicians not your mom not your dad your own truth this that 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 aspect that lies inside of all of us that we all have to take time to cultivate and, and, and nourish and find, first of all, um, that's the truth we all have to find. It's there for everybody. And um, yeah, that's how we create a better world. It starts with us. And then ultimately it, it spreads to everybody else. Yeah, there I is. think it does start with us and finding that truth and not ignoring it and caring more. Um, cause sometimes I feel like there's so many things I'm like, why doesn't anybody care about this? doesn't seem like anybody's upset about this or talking about this, you know? Yeah. And I think people, they're like, oh, I know that. But then they just choose to like ignore it and not like, you know, speak their truth or, or kind of like fight for the, for the right way. In my yeah. opinion, I think this new way is, I think the, the right way or like the better way maybe to, to live life. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It's a better way. Just yeah, happy. I don't way. know. I'm happier personally, like going through all of this crazy psychedelic experiences, doing intense yoga sessions, meditating for a long time. I don't know. If I added up the amount of time that I've meditated in my life, it's 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 pretty it's a pretty good amount of time. And doing like yoga sessions. It's not just like I'm not just messing around, just having fun. Like this is all ultimately just to cultivate happiness. So I don't have to be on SSRIs, or I don't have to be dependent on any kind of chemical to help me um, be happy. Um, it's, it's it's a better way to live. Like you said, you're just putting it simply, it's just becoming happy. And that's what we all want. We Definitely. all, that's what we're here to do, to, to cultivate that. Um, I don't think there's any really, any other reason to be here. Like we're here to find that what it truly means to be happy and love being alive. Yeah. It's a process yeah. though. It's a it process. is a process. And I also think we need more community. That's yeah. something I think is missing. Like, I don't know. I just, yeah, I discuss this with my partner and people and it's like, I don't know, here everything's so separate, right? Like you, you leave your home at 18. I mean, most people do right. in in the United States and, 
And so you kind of even miss, miss your family unit. And it just seems like we're all kind of living separate lives. It doesn't really feel like we're in communities, kind of like how, you know, back in the day or even in like small towns, they kind of have more of a community of people to kind of interact with and, and rely on. And so, you know, even when people are living in multi-generational like households, you know, in places like Eastern Europe, I think that kind of gives them a more sense of like stability and support and community. And that's really missing here too. Yeah. Connection, true connection, yeah. real connection. Yes. Like truly being with somebody and, you know, cause like I have neighbors, I don't talk to them. They're probably six to 10 feet away from me right now. I know. I don't, I say, hi, how you doing? I don't talk to them. I'm not saying everybody should go out and hug their neighbor, but I'm just saying like the, the aspect of just being more human with each other just actually like you know maybe listening to somebody sometimes and just truly being there for somebody it sounds very corny but i shouldn't even have to think that it's like corny you know like that is that just programmed in my head i think it is to just like i I think we should just be more accepting of us accepting others you know (laughs) yeah and um i wonder if it's a cultural thing too so um you know i have a lot of European friends and you know when they they came here so I was roommates with um, a guy from France and he just said in their opinions or people that I talked to that it's so hard to penetrate Americans like Hmm. it's very hard to get to a deeper level with us in conversation and to get to that level of connection that they would have say with another you know, French person yeah. per se. So that's really interesting to me. Um, you know, is there some kind of cultural thing where for some reason, a lot of interactions are more superficial and not deep and authentic. And, yeah. um, and I feel like I do notice it. Sometimes I feel like I talk to people and people will, people can say a lot without saying a lot. Yeah. But I'm like, Where's the depth? Like, let's take this a little bit further. Um, I don't know. That's quite interesting to me, I think. Yeah. I think it's just we're afraid to... We're programmed to be afraid of each other. Like, from a young age, our programming has been through fear when we haven't really been taught to be on that level with other human beings, which doesn't mean we always have to be, but I think... I know what you mean. There is that resistance to really have true connection. And I think that's not natural. I don't, I think we're, we're naturally innate. Uh, we're innately supposed to have connection, like true connection with people, like, you know, actually talking about how we feel emotions, like really, really going deep. Cause sometimes you need somebody else to be there for you, to be able to open up and, and, um, you know, come to certain changes in yourself sometimes you need somebody else that's there for you to listen and tell you it's okay and accept you for who you are um and that's why it's important to have have people like that at a psychedelic session because that's kind of what you do on these sessions where you, you confront things that you normally wouldn't confront and if you have somebody else there to say hey it's okay you're good it's okay let it out you know you're good we're all good i love you that's it. That's all we need. We just need somebody else to be there sometimes when if we're programmed to not be there for people and just kind of like have these, like you said, just like a 
base level conversation. How about them Red Sox? Oh, the, the weather, it's rainy. Like it's mm-hmm. it's not there's no substance in that. It's like not how we are naturally deep down. I don't know. It's it's tough. And that's why like what you're doing is creating these uh, an environment for you're facilitating an environment for people to have that connection. Cuz I'm not saying that we all have to do that when you go out to the coffee shop, you have this like crazy deep conversation with the guy just trying to get some coffee. You just, but it, it, we don't even have the option to really have uh, experiences like that or to know how beneficial experiences like that can be. You know, true therapy sessions with, with these medicines that aid that in, in that process. Um, yeah, we just need to be able to touch that aspect of our being somehow like true, genuine connection with each other. And um, yeah, that's how we heal. Isn't it interesting? Like we, uh, we heal through others. Like it, it starts with, it seems like somebody else telling you like, hey, it's going to be all right. You're good, man. Like we need that true like acceptance in order to sometimes just get over something. It's very interesting. I yeah, I, I think there is something to yeah healing through somebody else or with somebody else and that was one thing you know when i worked um at one of the legal retreat centers in the netherlands was it was in a group setting so it wasn't like how they do it in clinical trials where it's just you and like two therapists it was in a group a small group of people and i think that added an extra layer of healing because it's like you went through this experience, you know, together. Um, I mean, of course, separate, but like together. And I really think that kind of fostered, like, you know, bonding with those other people in the group and they could talk about the experience that they had with each other. Um, Yeah, so I just saw something healing within itself, doing it in a group Mm. setting. Yeah. How many of these have you been to yourself personally, like in a, in a retreat? On a retreat? Um, not many. Yeah. I, uh, yeah, I tend to, I think maybe, or it's weird. It's like I, I do see the healing component in a retreat. Um, but then personally, I think most of it has been, you know, with just myself or, you know, somebody else that like I trust to be there. Yeah. Yeah. And I think it's just because retreat settings aren't very available, right? So I have to go all the way, fly all the way out to the Netherlands if I were mm-hmm. to go to a legal retreat setting. So it's yeah. not very convenient. So maybe if the option was more readily available, that would be something that I would partake in, you know? Exactly. Yeah. You and many other people. Yeah. That's for sure. But that's where we're going. Slowly but surely, we're going there. Um, yeah, and then we'll like in in twenty thirty, like twenty forty, we're gonna live in a completely different world. Hopefully, it's still around. Hopefully, we're still here. I think we will be. But I think <laughs> if we are still here, um, it's gonna be completely different. And people will look back and be like, "Whoa, they came from such a crazy society. Like, what kind of paradigm were they living under?" Um, but yeah, I think it's gonna be, in, and we're gonna see a lot of change within the next 10, 20 years, a lot. There's going to be a lot that's going to happen. Um, and maybe even quicker than that. Who knows? 
um we're getting there though you know like your efforts aren't going to be in vain all of our efforts won't be in vain uh but that's why we're here we're here to just create that better world facilitate healing for not only ourselves but everyone else around us because we are everyone else around us that's kind of like another um conclusion that you can come to on this path on this journey is that we are all one we are like my your suffering is my suffering and vice versa so we're all collectively here trying to heal as it not only as in these bodies but as a whole entire species as one collective being that's what it means to be a human being is to we're, we're here slowly all collectively waking up to the dream of our ego that we've built up over the past thousands of years and coming into a whole new experience and it's happening it's happening it seems like slow i know i said it was slow but relative to our existence as a species it's extremely fast isn't it a crazy time to be alive it's it crazy. is a crazy time to be alive it's also kind of an amazing time to be alive but you yeah. know this is kind of the thing that we get to be a part of this movement um trying to make things better for the future and i think too i wonder what the future is going to be like and and i i do worry sometimes are we still going to be here um you know because of climate change and everything else that is going on and you know people are now making spaceships and hmm. you know thinking about colonies <laughs> in mars because some people just don't know <laughs> i think if earth is going to be you know uh like you know if it's going to be habitable to humans i mean you know i think nature will survive but us as a species you know if we we really don't do something well, i don't know you know yeah. yeah that's true we'll see i have hope with humanity maybe it's blinded optimism but i have hope i don't know where it comes from i think we will be i know it looks a little it looks a little bleak but you know that's just that just makes it interesting i think we'll we're we're, we're moving to a, a better world i believe that to be continued we shall see <laughs> <laughs> Yep. But I think, um, yeah, we can probably wrap this thing up um, okay. on that note. Do you have any closing statements you'd like to tell the world before we stop recording? Um, any closing statements? Um, Anything you want to get off your chest? I think it's like, I don't know. And I heard one like guide, I mean, he said a very beautiful quote, and I don't remember it, but it's about not going back to sleep. So, and I think that's kind of maybe my thing to the world is like, if you have some kind of intuition or a thought, or if you have an experience and it wakes you up and you're aware, like, don't fall back into the habits. Don't fall back into the norm. Stay awake and aware mm. um, and help like spread that mes message and, and, you know, help others to mm -hmm. come to those same like realizations or conclusions so yeah i just thought it was really beautiful i wish i could remember the quote like he said um, I, I get the gist of it don't get lost yeah. in the sauce when you know yeah. the truth you know don't get lost don't get sucked back in to the matrix man you know we yeah. all you know once you catch a glimpse of that 
truth. Once you open that door, you just got to reside yeah. in that. And I, I think that's what it doesn't, it doesn't just go away. I think once you, I think if you were to try to shoo away the truth, quote unquote, there's no shooing that away. There is just something that always resides in me to know, to, to follow that and walk that path. There is just, there's no going back. Even though I might have like, in my habits and my certain ways of life, I may get sucked back into certain things, but that's just, that's okay. That's just what it means to be a human being. It's okay to make mistakes. But as long as I know that that's there and the path is like, it's like there's something inside of me that can tell me that can't, that no one can tell me isn't there. Like that certain aspect inside of me. And I think it's the same aspect that you're talking about where there's nothing that can really stray me away. Maybe temporarily, maybe I'll fall into my ways for a little bit, you know have a beer or something. I don't know, just like something stupid and just fall off the path, not be like a perfect enlightened yeah, being, quote happens. unquote. But that's just being human, you know, that's that's okay. But I always know, no matter what, that it's it's there. There's there's nothing that can really stray me away. Definitely. And uh, I think I'll just make a plug for my consulting business. Um, you know, if anybody is looking into psychedelic therapies, or needs help with antidepressant tapering, like get in touch. Um, it's something I'm really passionate about and I really want to help people kind of work through those types of things. So I work with individuals and even other therapists or healthcare professionals who want to consult maybe on their client. Um, that's something I can help with too. Awesome. I'll link uh, everything. You should make a podcast. Awesome. Oh, yeah. Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> Thought about it. <laughs> you should. Why not? Every yeah, voice why counts. not? <laughs> or just something, you know, just even if it's just you talking, just, you know, spitting the truth online, just saying stuff and just, or just spreading good knowledge, you know, whatever it is. I think it's important for everybody to to spread this knowledge, to, to put it out to the world because it's, because it's fighting the good fight. It's what's, you know, it's what, it's, it's the good thing to do. I don't know. <laughs> like, <laughs> like we talked about education, people just need yeah. to know what these are. And know how powerful this is. I don't know. 100%. Just putting it out there to you. Just yeah, you know. I I think that's something too. I'm working on is um, getting my voice out there. You know, my thoughts out there, my views, my truth. Um, it's a work in progress. Yep, life yeah. is a work in progress. <laughs> it is. <laughs> on that note, Dr. Emily Cooper, uh, thank you for coming on. Thank you for talking to me. I think we had an amazing conversation. Um, yeah. I'll link everything down in the description. Thanks for anybody that listened to this thing. And uh, yeah, it's going to be okay, guys. Let's keep it going. Keep fighting the good fight. Keep doing your thing. And uh, yeah, look within. Disconnect. Shut off the phone for a little bit. Find some quiet time. Start there. <laughs> that's, where, that's where it all starts. Thanks, Emily. Awesome. Thanks, Gary. It's so great to meet you. And you have too. this conversation. Have a good night, good night, and I'll be in touch. All right. Sounds good. Have a good weekend. You too.